I am excited and delighted to be able to share the Word of God with you on today. Uh, And our scripture reading is found in Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. I will read it in your hearing in Exodus chapter 17, and I'm looking at verses 8 through 13. Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 through 13. If you have it, would you say amen? Amen. The Bible says, the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Bible says, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And the Bible says, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. May the Lord add a rich blessing to the reading, hearing, and obedience to his word. And today I want to speak to you with your prayers and God's help under the subject, how the battle is won. How the battle is won. I invite you to bow your heads and pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I am simply asking that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight and encouraging to your people. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Let everyone who believes say amen and amen. How the battle is won. Normally on Memorial Day, people spend time thinking about honoring their loved ones, who have fought in battle, died in battle, or just recognizing those who serve in the military. There was a particular memorial, if you will, that took place in Benton Harbor on Memorial Day that I had the opportunity to be a part of. And here is a picture of all the people who are gathered here on this particular Memorial Day event. It's not a memorial honoring those who died in war or those who died on the battlefield. Instead, unfortunately, this group of people are gathered here because everyone who is here, uh, they're there to honor the death of a loved one who was killed from gun violence in Benton Harbor. We had about 200 to 250 people gather for this memorial march. And as people gathered, they were encouraged to 
bring pictures or images or T-shirts with their loved ones on it. And I saw this lady here holding up this sign of all the people that she knew who died from gun violence in our city. This is a very unfortunate situation, and this is also the reason why you see me standing here uh, with these uh, police officers and a couple of other ministers. We are standing outside of City Hall in downtown Benton Harbor because the police chief gave me a call, and he said, hey, pastor, listen, uh, this coming summer, we want to be intentional about making sure that we're doing more than just arresting people and giving tickets in the city of Benton Harbor as the police chief, I'm asking you if you would do, if you would be so kind and do me a favor, I would like to give you about 15 minutes to give a presentation to City Hall at the public safety meeting because I want to adopt what you guys are doing in the community as a part of our overall strategy for preventing violence in the community. I don't know if you, you, you heard what I just said. I said the police chief Ask the pastor if you could come and present and share some training. He said, listen, I've observed from a distance and I see your action in the community. I see what you are doing. What you are doing is working. And I just want to know if you can, if we can embrace what you are doing. I said, absolutely. You bet. And so I went to City Hall and I'm standing there, uh, not as the mayor, not as the commissioner, but as the man of God. Called into the chambers of the local government to share with them what we call Operation Safe Space Benton Harbor. Now, we actually ended up having church in there. You're not going to give me a microphone and a group of people and tell me to talk about the work the church is doing and we not have church. The people were blessed by it. They received it. And so what this is, is this is a nine-week community-based program designed to create easily accessible, safe spaces in under-resourced communities. In other words, we identified the 12 locations throughout the city of Benton Harbor. These are housing projects or apartment complexes where you have the most vulnerable populations, the most underserved populations, where you have individuals who don't have the resources that are necessary in order for them to become all that God created them to be. And so in identifying these particular spaces, we said we're going to go to these communities. And when we get there, we want to, by the grace of God, create safe spaces where young people and families can come and feel heard and loved on and appreciated and valued and empowered to become all that Jesus destined them to be. Operation safe space. And when we did the math now, this actually totals up, all 12 of those locations totals up to more than 5,000 people. And so by the grace of God, within nine weeks, we're hoping to have reached 5,000 individuals. And I believe it's possible with your prayers and your help by the grace of God. So now, as we set out on this journey, 
I want you to understand something that we understand, and I know you get it as well, is that because you are doing a work for the Lord, it's not just you showing up with strategy and programs, but you need the power of God. And so we went forth and we prayed in each one of these locations by going on what we call a prayer walk. And as we went to these communities, we would see kids, and the kids would see us, and we would bow our heads and pray with them. I remember going up to one particular uh, uh, kid. He had a football in his hand, and I asked him to throw me the football, and so we started throwing the football back and forth, and we did that for about two or three minutes and so, and I called them into a huddle, and we began to pray. And after we finished praying, one of the kids uh, said to the other kids, uh, what are you all getting ready to do? And they said, I don't know. But the other girl said, well, I'm going with them because they're going to pray. And so now we have some kids straddling along with us as we're going from house to house and praying in the various uh, uh, communities. And and we we going from one place to the next and we go to this one particular uh, 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 house. And as we're leaving that house, an individual is getting in his car and he says, hey, look, can you guys come over here and pray with me? And so we're now laying hands on the car and praying for the people in the car, taking prayer requests out of the car and letting the people know that there is a God who is available and he can make safe spaces no matter where the danger is. In fact, he can make those places safe where there is most danger. As a matter of fact, the 12 locations, they all have some history of a shooting, of a, of a murder, of a death. And I said to my congregation, look, that's where we want to go. Because when the people of God shows up, the power of God shows up. Now, there's this one particular house as we're going from place to place. There's this one particular lady. Uh, you can't see her in the picture right here, but, but she's in the picture. And, and, and she was sitting, she was sitting uh, upstairs in her apartment and looking out the window. And as she saw out the window, we were going and praying with people. And she saw us moving about, praying with individuals. And, and as we passed by her house, she said, are you all offering prayer? If so, I need some. We said, absolutely. She came downstairs, and when she came downstairs, she came outside. She had tears in her eyes. And she was, you could tell she was upset. You could tell she was hurt. She was going through something. There was something that was bothering her. So I asked her, I said, ma'am, how can we pray for you? And she began to describe how her her next door neighbor or her neighbor across the street called her and told her about uh, uh, her daughter who, who, who is unfortunately strung out on drugs. Uh, she got paid and on her payday, she went and bought some drugs. And when she bought these drugs, she ended up overdosing. And while that in and of itself is bad news, it actually gets worse. What made matters worse is that this this daughter, uh, this young lady has two children, a a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And what she said was, she said that when the mother passed out because of the drug overdose, she left some drugs on the table and the five-year-old and the seven-year-old got a hold of the drugs, took the drugs, and they're now in the hospital fighting for their lives. Pastor, we need prayer. And as you see on the picture, we bowed our heads and we prayed for the Spirit of God to move 
in that situation. I tell you that story because that story was a fresh reminder. It was a fresh revelation to me as I began to study this particular passage of Scripture that we're looking at today found in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8 through 13. And here is what I need you to understand that that, 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 that situation reminded me of. The Bible says that the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And what I need you to understand is that that was a fresh revelation to me that the people of God are under attack to this very day. What I need you to understand is that just because, uh, just because uh, you are not necessarily walking with God at the very moment, you're still a child of God and the enemy of God is still going to attack God's people. Whether we know God or not, and what the lady is saying to us is that she says, Pastor, I need prayer. My life is not altogether right right now. The situation in this household next to me with these babies, are we need prayer because the enemy is attacking us. And what this teaches the people of God today is, number one, that when it comes to the battle, the battle is real. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a human battle. It's a spiritual battle. And the battle is raging. The Bible says that the enemy goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Not only is the battle uh, uh, real, not only is the battle raging, but I need you to understand that the battle is ruthless. There is Job minding his business. There is Job being a faithful husband, being a faithful father, being a faithful provider. He's looking out for the poor. He's doing everything right. And nevertheless, he gets attacked. I believe somebody in the house of God today, you came into the house of God under that same understanding. Lord, I'm faithfully returning my tithe, but I'm struggling financially. Lord, I've been a vegetarian guy. I even took it to the next level, God. I'm a, I've been a vegan my whole life. But I still come back with a negative bill of health. I still got the cancer diagnosis. I've been raising my children in the church. I've been praying for my children. I brought them to Sabbath school. I've been serving in the house of God. But Lord, it just seems like my life is still under attack. The battle is real. The battle is raging. The battle is ruthless. The devil doesn't fight fair. And so the question becomes, how do the people of God win the battle against the enemies of our promised destiny? As the song just reminded us, God was bringing Israel out of Egypt into a promised land. God was taking them from something to something. And what we, what, what we have to be reminded of is just because God brought me out of something and he's promised to take me to something, there is an in-between that the enemy is going to attack. So how do we win against those attacks so that we reach the promised destiny? Well, I want to suggest to you today that the first thing is to win the battle, it requires your best participation. It requires your best 
participation. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Listen, the Bible says, Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to do what everybody? Come on, go out to do what everybody? Fight for the Amal- fight, fight the Amalekites. Now watch this. The Bible is, is, is I'm, I'm about to tell you something that is so profound and so deep. You ready for it? The Bible says, Moses told Joshua, choose some of our men and go fight the Amalekites. And guess what happened? Joshua fought. It was, so, it was so simple, it went over your head. In other words, in other words, in other words, there is a part that God expects his people to play when it comes to getting the victory in the battle. Now, 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 I know, I know, I know, I hear it, I hear it. I hear it right now. I hear somebody saying, Pastor, don't the Bible say in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 15, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army for the battle is not yours but God's. I hear you. But guess what? Even when God told them that the battle is not theirs, uh, it belongs to him, he was not relinquishing them from playing any part. God was saying, at the end of the day, uh, I'm responsible for the victory. At the end of the day, uh, it's ultimately up to me, but you do have a part to play. You do have to put up a fight in this situation. Now, somebody wanted, want, want, is asking the question, well, Pastor, when do I fight? Well, let me tell you this. Watch this. Sometimes your best participation is being still. Sometimes you want to dive in, you want to get it, you want to change the situation. Sometimes you see, a, you, you, you see what the issue is, uh, you want to step in, you, you anxious to jump in. And God's saying, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. Sometimes your best work is doing nothing but being still. Watch this. Being still is a work. Because for some of us, we want to do something so bad, it requires you, it requires, it requires effort not to do anything. So sometimes your best participation is being still. Other times your best participation is fighting back. Now, how do we know the difference? How do I know when it's time for me to fight versus time for me to be still? When they were standing at the edge of the Red Sea, Moses said, God said, be still and see the salvation of the Lord. And God actually was the one who drowned the Egyptian army. In this particular instance, God is telling Moses to tell Joshua, go put up a fight. Let me tell you the difference. Watch this. Deuteronomy gives us a clue. Give us a clue. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 25, 17 through 18, remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came out of Egypt, when you were weary and worn out. They met you on your journey and attacked all who were lagging behind. They had no fear of God. What are you saying, Pastor? Watch this. Here's what I'm saying. When the attack is upon the weakest and vulnerable, 
fight back. Okay, let me help you out real quick. Let me help you out real quick. See, 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 when it's a problem that just involves you and your little situation, God may tell you, be still, I got this. But when you see the most vulnerable being taken advantage of, when you see the weak being exploited, this is why when Jesus goes into the temple, Jesus starts fighting. Jesus started turning over tables. Uh, what's wrong with you? The reason why is because he sees uh, the poor, the least of these, being exploited. You've turned my house into a den of thieves. Uh, you're taking advantage of people. God gets angry and fights when the people of God, who are the least of these, gets taken advantage of. So when you see babies... being taken advantage of. When you see children being molested, get angry, fight back. When you see the poor being taken advantage of, when you see the poor being dismissed, when you see the homeless man being, being, being looked at as if he's a nobody, you do something about that. Here's a quote, here's a quote, here's a quote found in gospel workers that adds to that. Watch this, watch this. Some who do what? Engage in missionary service. In other words, when you are in the battle for souls, when you are doing outreach, when you are trying to win people for the Lord Jesus, that's a context for fighting. Okay, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't hear me, so I'm going to read it. Let's see. I'm going to read it. For, okay. Some who engage in missionary service, watch this, are weak, nerveless, spiritless, easily discouraged, they lack push. In other words, they don't have no fight. Let me keep going. Let me keep going. Christian life is more than many take it to be. It does not consist only in gentleness, patience, meekness. God bless you. How you doing? Everything all right? And kindliness. God bless you, my brother. Sure, no, you're, you're, you know, it's your turn. No, it's not. You know, please. It's not just that. Watch this. These graces are essential, but. Oh, there's a but there. But, she says. There is need also of courage, force, energy, and perseverance. In other words, there are some things that God is not going to give you. You got to fight for it, and with God's help, you will get it. Can I tell somebody there's a promotion that you're not going to get by being quiet? I just hope they'll promote me. There's a young lady that somebody else going to get if you don't. <laughs> you have not because you ask not. There is need, courage, force, energy, and perseverance to press on through difficulties and discouragement requires men or women who are more than weaklings. 
Men of stamina, women of, uh, women of stamina are wanted. Those who will not wait to have their way smoothed uh, and every obstacle removed. Uh, those who will have success must be courageous and hopeful, she says. While they are to give the soft answer that turns away wrath, they must possess the courage of a hero to resist evil. She's describing fight. A willingness to do whatever it takes to bring about a solution that'll help you win the battle. There's a balance between the lion and the lamb. To win the battle, it requires, to win the battle, it requires your best participation. Number two, number two, number two. To win the battle, or rather the battle is won through uplifting partnerships and multi-generation collaboration. Here's what that looks like. So I came across this video that I saw, and it was talking about the Belgian horse. And it said that a Belgian horse has the power to pull 7,000 to 8,000 pounds. Now, because I'm Adventist, I'm going to use this, I'm just going to say 7,000, okay? 7,000 pounds is able to pull. Now, if you put two Belgian horses together, how much do they go to pull? 14. 14,000. Made sense to me. Good math. But based on math, uh, you're right. But based on the reality, you're wrong. Here's what happens. When you put two together and they begin to train together and they begin to work together, they're actually able to pull 25,000 pounds. The Bible is clear that iron sharpens iron. The Bible is clear that two are better than one. In other words, when you have these two working together uh, individually, they can only do so much. But together, they can surpass their own expectations. Uh, Together, God can do some miraculous things. Together, God can make up a difference that just them coming together on their own, they cannot experience. And what I want to suggest to you today is that what we see in Moses, uh, Moses' hands grew tired and he had some uplifting partners in Aaron and her to hold up his hands. And he had one on each side. And I believe today that the same people of God that we see in Scripture with these uplifting partners, uh, you need some uplifting partners. That's why you got to make sure you marry right. You got to have an uplifting partner. You got to have somebody who's going to pray for you when your hands get tired. Furthermore, watch this. You have generational collaboration. You have Moses, Aaron, and her representing an older generation. You have Joshua and the men fighting representing a younger generation. What I love about this story is that when Moses tells Joshua to go and choose some men, uh, he didn't say, look, I want you to choose exactly these men. I want this person and not that. He didn't give them a list. Instead, this was an empowering command. Uh, In other words, this was two generations uh, working together. And I just believe that 
there's a greater impact that the people of God can have on the world for the kingdom of God when you have one generation working with the other generation. The old are not saying, you young and dumb, you don't know what you're doing, that ain't how, you, that ain't how we used to do it. And the, old, and the younger generation not saying, you old, that's outdated, get that out of here, uh, we're doing it the new way. But there's a working together. And when the working together takes place, the battle can be won. Who says amen to that? I got a text message from a young man. He says, uh, you know, we went, we went for a week straight every single day. Uh, it's an eight-week program, nine-week program. And we started out with what we call Blitz Week, where we go literally every single day. And then after that, we started going once a week. And so after we finished Blitz Week and the next week came, I had a young man chase me. He said, uh, why y'all don't come out here no more? That was his question. I said, coming tomorrow. He said, all right. He said, is y'all, still, is y'all coming today? I said, we coming Friday at 6. Tell all the kids who signed up for football to be there at 6. All right. Last text. Y'all still coming today? I couldn't. The, 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 the real reason why we, we're, we're not going uh, 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 eight, every single day for eight days in a row uh, the real reason why is because the scripture says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. I can't tell the kid, well, we're not coming, man, because, you know, the Bible says that we don't have no laborers. I can't tell them that. But what I can do is I can ask you to go to, safe harbor, uh, to, go to safespacebentonharbor.com and sign up for a day to come. That's what I can do to try to help solve that situation. I need to wrap this thing up, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm over my time already. Look, here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. The third thing is to win the battle, it requires prioritizing the presence and power of God while the battle is raging. To put another way, to win the battle, it requires getting in position to keep God in his position. The Bible says that Moses said, I'm going to stand on top of the hill. And when I get on top of the hill, I'm going to do something. Now, some have said Moses went up there for psychological motivation. In other words, uh, he wanted the people to see uh, uh, as he's up top, they, he wanted the army to look up and, oh, they go out and lead a prayer, let's fight, let's battle. That's what some have said. Others have said that he went up there for prayer, to offer prayers of intercession. That, 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 that's what his hands being lifted up means. He's up there praying, and I believe that he's, also, that he's definitely up there praying. I believe there's some psychological uh, motivation that you get when you know that your leader is praying and talking to the Lord while you're fighting the battle. I get that. But I want to suggest today that the reason why Moses goes up to the mountain, he, why he goes on top of the hill, is because it represents Moses uh, prioritizing the preeminence of God. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, he says, he says I, have the staff of, I will have the staff of God uh, in my hands while I'm up there. And the staff of God represents the power of God, the presence of God, and therefore the preeminence of God. In other words, uh, Moses holding up his hands, the Bible says every time his hands was held up high, they were winning. And every time his hands fell low, they started losing. What this does is, this tells us, is that the moment we are prioritizing God, making him the leader of our life, making him the ruler of our life, while the battle is raging, we can have the assurance that we will win. But when you try to take matters in your own hands, 
When you lower the staff, when you lower the word of God, when you lower the presence of God, when you lower the power of God, you find yourself losing. To win the battle, it requires seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and knowing that all these other things, this battle is won because you prioritize the presence and power of God. The Bible says, so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. To win the battle, it requires prioritizing the presence and power of God while the battle is raging. As I bring this message to a close, I want to, us, I want to remind us that another battle has already been won, and that's the battle for your salvation. Humanity was under attack, and the enemy thought he won, but Jesus went up on another hill, a hill called Calvary, a hill called Golgotha, and as he was on that hill, uh, his arms, they weren't raised up high, but they were stretched out wide. And as a result, you and I have the victory today. Who says amen to the Word of God? I want to encourage you to make a decision, and you can do so by texting the word battle. Texting the word battle to the number that is on the screen. And as you text the word battle, you will get a chance to participate uh, with the connect card for the opportunity to respond to today's message. And the first thing you're responding to is number one, I I will hold up the hands of godly leaders with prayerful and practical support. Number two, I want to hold up the hands of Harbor Hope by volunteering for at least one day with Operation Safe Space by July 29th, 2023. You can go to safespacebentonharbor.com, safespacebentonharbor.com, and get all the details about when, where, how, and so on and so forth. And then number three, I want you to be aware that we're having three simultaneous evangelistic series that are happening, and we need some funds to be able to get these tents, and we also need some money to help with transportation Praise God for Andrews University uh, for the vans that they bless us with, but we need finances to be able to make that, continue to make that happen. And so number three, I want to give Harbor of Hope financial support to hold up their hands this summer to win the battle for souls for the kingdom. If that is your desire, I invite you to bow your heads and pray with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're grateful and thankful for all that you have done and all that you continue to do to help us win the battle, O God. And Father, I pray that as we prepare our hearts for Holy Communion, Lord, may we remember that the victory is already ours because of the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We love you. We thank you for hearing and answering this prayer. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you.